service this morning. Amen. Amen. I know I am completely biased, but I will tell you that this church feels like a bunch of family members getting together every Sunday. Amen. And I hope you feel that way too. It just feels like family here, and we're just thrilled to have every everyone with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of the word. Amen. And I'm directing your attention this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew, chapter 26. Amen. And we're going to read uh, up 10 or 11 verses here. But Matthew, chapter 26, and verse 14. When you get it, shout amen. Amen. All right. It says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him, talking about Jesus, unto you? And they covenanted, or they agreed with him, for thirty pieces of silver, which is the approximate cost of a slave in this time. And the Bible says from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. We're not told exactly how long that time frame was, but his purpose now had shifted from one of wanting to be with Jesus, from one of looking for an opportunity. And if you are ever in this situation, if you're looking for an opportunity, you will find one. Amen. Judas was looking for an opportunity to betray the Lord. Amen. If you're looking for an opportunity, you'll find one. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, or the night was come, he sat down with the twelve disciples. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Perhaps a shock to the eleven, but not to Judas. The Bible says in verse 22, And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which which betrayed him, answered and said, Fallen in line, if you will, as all the other 11 disciples. Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Or in other words, you've been implicated in this betrayal. My title this morning is How Value Systems Affect Potential. How Value Systems Affect potential. Would you help me pray? Amen. Ask the Lord to speak to your heart this morning. Father, we come before you on this Sunday morning. We're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your spirit, God. 
God, we are inviting you, Lord, to anoint us one more time. Anoint the preacher. Anoint myself as the servant of the Lord. As the humble vessel of clay to speak words of life, God, from your heart to the heart of the people. And I pray that you would anoint the heart of every hearer of this message this morning to be open and receptive to your word. Let the word of the Lord go forth and let it find good ground this morning. God will not fail to give you glory and honor. In the name of Jesus we pray. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. How value systems affect potential. What is a value system? A value system is a collection of personal and social values that exists in an individual's mind, which also guides their daily action. It is the identification, the structure, and the measurement of a set of values that an actor holds, exchanges, and creates for specific purposes. Amen. In other words, it's this guiding system that they live by. It reveals to the onlooker, amen, what is of most value to this individual. Personal values are those things that we believe are the most important in our life. Amen. I'll say that again. Personal values are those things that we believe are the most important in our life. And values exist for each and every one of us. No matter if you recognize them or not. Every one of us has a value system. Every one of us under the sound of my voice has things that you value over other things and competing choices in your life. According to the Premier Study Bible, a summary of Judas Iscariot's life reveals a divergence between his value system and that of the Lord Jesus. To many, one of the most gripping questions regarding Judas's life lies in pondering his squandered potential, especially considering the list of possibilities based on the lives of the other 11 apostles or the other 11 disciples. One can look at the life of Judas and see a life that was squandered, potential that was lost and that was never realized because of a value system that was in place in his life and in his heart. He, Judas, was a part of the most envied band of 12 disciples that were in constant contact and had such a close fellowship with the Master. Amen. But the question is proposed, when did the allegiance of Judas shift in his life? What was the deciding moment? Amen. Where was that that line of demarcation? Where was that point in Judas' life when his allegiance began to shift from complete and total allegiance and dependence upon the Lord to turning his back on the Lord and to pursuing the things that gratified self more than gratified the soul? At some point, Judas' value system shifted from prioritizing time with the master to a plotting to get rid of the master from his life. This is seen in the previous verses as Judas 
uh, previously to Matthew 26 and 26 that we uh, we read a few moments ago. Amen. We see a story of a woman bringing an alabaster box of ointment and pouring it out upon the Lord. And Judas sees the alabaster box as a thing of great value and the fact of worshiping the Lord as little value. His, his value system began to shift, amen, before the reader's eyes, amen. And uh, uh, in these previous verses, Jesus was calling his, uh, Jesus was calling his anointing with expensive perfume a memorial. And Judas was calling the same act a waste. While Jesus was in the process of buying a soul, Judas got in the business of selling a soul. The value systems had shown great divergence and a radical shift. Amen. From everything that Jesus taught was important. Amen. Judas saw it as unimportant. And everything that Jesus called unimportant, Judas began to call important. And there was a shift, a divergence in their values. Someone say praise the Lord. Judas, by betraying the world's greatest and only light, went into eternity's darkest night. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus, the true light of the world. Amen. Judas walked away from it that he might find complete and utter darkness. Hallelujah. Because a life devoid of Christ is a life spent and lived in darkness. Hallelujah, Jesus hanging upon the cross. Amen, Jesus is hanging upon the cross, paid for all of the sins of mankind. Well, Judas is hanging of himself, counted for nothing, and nobody seemed to care. Amen, this shows you the value. Amen, the values of this current situation. The thing of most importance and of greatest value and that which holds eternal value are the things attached to Christ. And the things that hold no eternal value and no eternal significance are the things that are detached from the things of God. The blood of Jesus bought and paid for the sins of the entire human race while the blood of Judas paid for a potter's field which became known as the field of blood. Amen. There was such divergence in these two, uh, these two characters, these two people in the Bible. And it shows us the stark distinction between the value system of Judas and the value system of Jesus. Matthew chapter 10 explains that Judas, along with the other 11 disciples, had also received power over unclean spirits. Judas, like the other 11 apostles, had received power over sickness. Judas, like the other 11 apostles, had received the ability to preach the gospel to the whole world. He had received the great commission. Judas was there. Amen. Judas heard the charges of the Master. But somewhere along the line, the things that mattered most to Judas were different from those that mattered the most to Jesus. Hallelujah. However, Judas began to disagree with the Lord on a few small things. He began to disagree with the Lord. 
I just don't see it that way. The Lord was given a teaching and Judas said, well, I, I, you know, I disagree with that, Master. I don't see it that way. And that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. And we've heard that as few times before. But Judas' theology began to cross that of Jesus. Amen. As Jesus began to teach the disciples. And he said, freely ye have received, freely give. And Judas said, well, wait a minute. I've spent my life. I think I'll try to monetize these experiences that I've had with the Lord. I think I'll try to monetize, amen, and, and commoditize Jesus, the man from Galilee. And I'll try to make a few small bucks off of this experience and my connection with God. And I'll sell out the things of God for a little small selfish personal gain. Folks, you and I have got to realize what is the most important in this life. The most important thing in this life is not you getting a promotion on your job. The most important things in life is not you getting a brand new pair of shoes. But the most important thing in life is am I right with God? And how is my relationship with Him? And will these things that are coming to my life try to separate me from His love? Or will it take me closer to Him? And you've got to be the one to answer that question. You've got to be the one to identify. Is this thing that's coming to my life drawing me closer to the Lord? Or is it pushing me away from God? And you've got to have the right value system in place. Amen. Unless your potential will begin to go out the window and it will begin to become squandered. Jesus also said, take neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. These are the words of Jesus. But Judas disagreed. I disagree, Lord. I respectfully disagree. Well, as one person said, you have the right to be wrong. And Judas was wrong. The premier study Bible continues in its discourse on Judas by saying that Judas, amen, was sent forth by the master as the Bible says, sheep among wolves. But that somewhere along the way, Judas was devoured by extreme greed for wealth and personal gain. That he himself became the wolf that Jesus warned about. Hallelujah. How could all of these things be unless somewhere along the line, Judas began to reject the words of God for his life? And I'm going to tell this church today, if you want to have, amen, a proper value system, learn to value the Word of the Lord and the presence of God above everything else in this world. Hallelujah. I grew up hearing songs that sing like this, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Hallelujah. As long as that is, amen, a part of your value system, there is great potential that you and I will realize. But when value systems begin to erode and begin to degrade into things that satisfy the flesh for temporary moments of pleasure, amen, temporary moments of satisfaction, hallelujah, value systems begin to be turned upside down. And things begin to quickly unravel. And your perspective changes. 
And instead of seeing Jesus as this wonderful man from Galilee that fixes all of my problems and gives me comfort and gives me counsel, now you look at Jesus and say, that, that, that I'm going to get that guy. That guy, he's, he's up to no good. I, I'm going to expose this guy. Uh, that, that man, Jesus, everybody thinks he's all right. He's a genius, but I know the truth about him. He's worthless. Amen. You know what? I'm going to sell him out. Amen. I'm going to find opportunity. I'm looking for opportunity. You find what you're looking for. You will find what you're looking for. If you're looking for Jesus, you'll find him today. If you're looking for a renewal of the Holy Ghost, you'll get it today. If you're looking for healing, you'll get it today. If you're looking for Jesus, you'll find him today. But if you're looking for problems, if you're looking for mistakes, if you're looking for inconsistencies, I regret to tell you, you'll find it because you're looking. What you're looking for is what you're going to find today. But I want my perspective to be proper. I want my eyes to be fixed upon the Lord. I want my value system to be Bible-based. My title this morning is Your Value System Will Affect Your Potential. But what about you today? It's one thing that I've learned in growing up in church is it's very easy to hear a story about people in the Bible and say, man, those no good for nothings, those doubters, those people, man, they're silly. They just can't get it right. Come on, look at those people. God delivered them out of Egypt and they're wanting to go back to Egypt and they're wanting to go back to slavery. Man, those people, they're they're not thankful. And we're quick to identify somebody else's inconsistencies. We're quick to identify Judas's, uh, his feelings of betrayal and the things that he dealt with. Uh, amen. Knowing that the enemy was after his soul and looking for one weak person that he could get in and try to devour. Amen. The whole bunch of them. Hallelujah. But uh, we've got to be mature enough Christians to realize that any one of us, if we're not careful, can fall into the same trap. Sin. Unless we guard our hearts. And we stay firmly planted in the word. Amen. You and I have got to have a love for the word above all else. You and I have got to love the word of God more than anything else in this world. The moment you begin to hey, look down on the preacher, you begin to say, well, you know what? That, that's that's immaterial. That's not going to matter much. And that preaching doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, you know, that preacher just preached his opinion. He doesn't even preach the Bible. And we begin to look down upon the preached word of God. We begin to get ourselves into trouble. Because this is exactly what Judas began to do. Man, Jesus is getting a little bit crazy. You gotta just excuse him there. We, we gotta have some rationality here. Be reasonable. And you begin to have some human reason philosophizing, and it goes against, amen, what God is trying to teach. And God input into these 12 disciples a value system. But what about you and I today? What about each and every one of you? Where does personal prayer and time alone with Jesus fit into your value system? Where does a personal walk with God, amen, where you get alone with God on a regular daily basis, where does that fit into your value system? Or is that just low on the priorities for you? Amen. Is it just I'll pray when I get to church on Sunday morning and just kind of get myself together spiritually. And then the same thing again on Wednesday night for midweek service. Or is prayer and time alone with God 
it high on the scale of values? And do you prioritize time alone with Jesus? I want to talk to somebody on this morning. Amen. Some people, amen, they, they, they think that I can just pray once in a while. I don't have to have a personal daily walk with God of prayer and consecration and devotion. As long as I feel the goosebumps when I come to church, I must be okay. No, honey. God wants personal daily talks and communication with each and every one of you today. Where does daily Bible reading fit into your value system? Where does daily Bible reading fit into your value system? Where is it? Which part of your day do you say, I'm going to take this time. And I'm going to read the Bible. I'm not going to read one verse of scripture and just say, well, there I read my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. Until God speaks to me. Talking to my mother recently, she said, I used to read my Bible when I first came to the Lord for hours on end. Reading my Bible for hours. Heard another preacher, family friend that read this Bible through the matter of months when he first came to God. He got that word so deep in his heart. He had a value system that he put into place in his life. And that man is still living for God. You know, the people that Brother Terrence, they get this book out and they just read it cover to cover. And they, you look at their Bible and it's just tattered. And you know they've been reading their Bible. Now we, we've got several different, I've got Bibles all over the place in my iPad. But, you know, you used to be able to really identify back in the day, people only had one Bible. And they read that Bible all the time. That was their one Bible. And those, those pages were falling out. I've got a, I've got a Bible. Hey Amen. I had to retire because it was falling apart. I had to get another one. But, you know, if they, they say if your Bible's falling apart, chances are your life is not. Because your value system is in the proper order, in the proper place. Where does regular church attendance fit into your value system? Where does regular church attendance fit into your value system? I'm talking about a value system that will affect your potential in life. Because these are some things, if you get these things down in your heart, you say, no matter what happens, amen, no matter who walks out the door, no matter who turns their back on me, no matter who talks about me, no matter what happens, amen, if everything in my life falls apart, the three things I'm not going to stop doing is praying, read my Bible, go to church, because those are things that help me go through storms. Those are things that help me get through life and be more than a conqueror. Those things that affect, those things that are in your value system will affect your potential. And because Judas's value system began to erode and degrade, he said it's not so important to worship the Lord. It, you don't have to worship God with all your heart. We can just, the preacher says jump, we do toe lifts. The preacher says clap your hands, we do a golf clap. The preacher says shout and we kind of go a little bit louder and we lose a passion. I'm not talking if you physically can't do certain things. Amen. But I'm talking about a passion. Amen. Where does passionate worship fit into your value system? You know, once you get a value system in place and you've got some clearly defined markers in your value system. Amen. You kind of set things in autopilot in your life. 
It makes living life a whole lot easier because you've already identified these are the things that are important. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to read my Bible. I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give. No matter what happens in my life, this is my value system. I'm going to submit myself to the preacher, to the pastor. I'm going to let him pastor me. I'm going to submit myself to my husband, to my God. Amen. I'm going to follow the Lord all in my heart no matter what. I'm going to have a clear the value system. The founder of Disney said it like this. When your values are clear to you, making decisions becomes easier. When values are clear to you, making decisions becomes easier. Because as long as you haven't put a high value price tag on your walk with God, the enemy can come along and he can say, well, you know what, just skip prayer today. But if you have a value system that's in place that says these are the things that I'm going to do no matter what happens in life. This is just this is just how it's going to be. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live for God. We're going to please the Lord. We're going to pray every day. We're going to read our Bibles. We're going to go to church. It makes life a lot easier because now when the little toe it comes, and your back hurts a little bit. You say, that's not going to stop me. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to keep praying. I saw I saw a video recently of a, of a, of a preacher. Amen. A pastor from Great Falls, Montana. His wife put a picture of him. He was sick as a dog. Amen. With COVID. Uh, he was there sitting in his, his rocker recliner chair in the living room. And he was just so, uh, just racked with pain. Just not feeling good. Feeling horrible. And I saw the video. He was just there rocking back and forth with his hands on his head. Kind of groaning but praying for the people in his church. Amen. Because he had a value system that said no matter what happens, whether I'm sick as a dog or not, the one thing that I'm going to do is keep praying because my value system affects my potential. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just a few more things. Bear with me here this morning. In his book entitled, How Should We Then Live? Francis Schaeffer writes, he says, humanism has no way, no way to find the universal in the areas of meaning and values. Humanism has no way to find the universal in the areas of meaning and values. He writes it like this, Francis Schaeffer, humanism has changed the 23rd Psalm from the Lord is my shepherd to I am my shepherd. And then it continues. They, the sheep, are my shepherd. And whatever they want. And he said it would continue if you begin that road of I am the shepherd. It would progress to sheep are my shepherd. Then it would progress to everything is my shepherd. Until finally the end result is nothing is my shepherd. But if you have a value system that says he is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. I've already settled the case. I'm going to follow his lead. Not the lead of my flesh. Not the lead of my emotions and every whim that I get. Amen. But I have made up my mind. I'm going to follow him and stay in the word of God no matter what happens in my life. There is a death wish that's inherent in humanism and doing it your way. Hallelujah. Unless you get your value system in the proper place and you 
you begin to value the things of God, you're headed for a road of destruction. A frightened woman on the on the Titanic. A frightened woman on the infamous ship called the Titanic. She found her place, amen, as the ship was sinking, as the story goes, in the lifeboat that was about to be dropped into the raging North Atlantic Ocean. And then she thought suddenly of something that she needed in light of death that was breathing down her neck. She asked for permission to go to her stateroom, to which they granted her permission as long as she made it quick. Amen. And she, after receiving permission, she ran across the deck that was already slanted at, amen, at such an angle that she could easily fall at this dangerous angle. And she ran through the gambling room that had pushed, that had money pushed aside in one corner, ankle deep. She ran through the gambling room with the money that was piled high on one side. Ran right past it. Didn't even take a second look at it. Amen. She came to her stateroom where her belongings were. And she pushed aside her jewelry. And then she reached above her bed and got, wouldn't you know, three small oranges. And she found her way back to the lifeboat and got in. Death had boarded the Titanic. One blast of its awful breath had transformed all values in one single moment. Instantaneously priceless things had become worthless. And things that seemed worthless and of no value now began to become of utmost importance. So much that she would risk her life to get three small oranges. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in that moment she preferred the three small oranges to a crate of diamonds. Her value system shifted. Because of impending doom and tragedy. Sometimes God has to take us to places that we never wanted to go. So you and I could realize. You know what? The most important thing. Is not all the nice things that this world has to offer. But the most important thing is my soul's salvation. Me being right with God. If the health inspector comes in, if the sheriffs come in, and they do whatever they got to do, the most important thing is I'm right with God. And I, I do what he told me to do. Hallelujah. Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as a matter of some is and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. I just got to abide by the word of God. I'll not, I'll not throw it in the face of whomever might come at any point. Hallelujah. But I'm going to say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Who do I think I am that I have to pay some price? Amen. When the people that came before me paid such a great price for the salvation and the freedom that I have today. Value systems oftentimes have to shift for us to see what's most important in life. Your perspective has got to change. If you're here today under the sound of my voice, you say, this guy's crazy. I want you to pray. God, if he's crazy, I want you to shut him up. Go ahead and pray. But God, if he's not crazy, I want you to smite my heart. 
I want you to cause tears to come down my face. I want to know, God. I want to know what's most important in life because there are a lot of voices in this world. The Bible says there are so many voices in this world. There's people of all persuasions. There's people that will tell you, don't you dare go to church and expose yourself to coronavirus. How dare the pastor even open up? He's inconsiderate. There's people that will tell you all sorts of things. But you've got to have the valley system that's based on the Word of God. Because if your valley system is based in the Word, you can go through hell or high water and make it through. Another example of perspective and understanding some value is a bar of steel. A bar of steel is worth five dollars. But when made into an ordinary horseshoe, it's then worth $10. And if this same $5 bar is manufactured into needles, the value rises to $350. And yet if it's made into delicate springs for expensive watches, it is now worth more than $250,000. The same bar of steel is made more valuable by, listen to this, being cut to its proper size. The same, amen, bar of steel is made more valuable when it's passed through one blast furnace after another. The same bar of steel is made more valuable, amen, when it's hammered and manipulated and beaten and pounded and finished and polished until it's ready for those delicate tasks that the engineer had in mind. When you allow God to work on your heart, you say, God... I've been a mess all of my life. I have things all mixed up. And all of my life, I valued one illicit affair after another. All of my life, I valued one high after another. All of my life, I valued one theft after another. All of my life, I valued one one drunken night after another. All of my life, I valued the wrong things. But God, if you'll work on Talk to my heart. You'll help me. I want my value system to be in order the way that you set it in order. Because if I get the right value system, it will affect my potential. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 26. In verse 26, through verses 30, is the few verses I'm going to highlight before we take the Lord's Supper this, this morning. Amen. This communion service today is a time to not only reflect on the first coming of Christ, in which he provided the means for your atonement for your, the atonement for your sins, But it's also a time that we declare the news of his soon coming for a second time in which he will return for the church. The Bible says that until then, the church is called to show the Lord's death until he come. To live out a life of sacrifice. In other words, taking up your cross and following him. In the act of taking up one's cross and following him. Value systems are placed in the proper order. Amen. 
Because the ultimate value system says if I lose my life, my human fleshly life, it doesn't matter so much as it does is if my soul is pleasing before the Lord. And you begin to value your soul more than your own human life. I'm not asking anybody to drink Kool-Aid this morning. We're not doing that stuff. But there has to be an understanding. He's the most important thing in my life. He's the most important thing in my life. If you and I will live our life with the simple view. Sister Christine, I just want to please him. Sister Cameron, I just want to please him. Sister Leticia, I just want to please him. If that's your one guy you in life, you'll make it. Because a lot of things will come along the way. God will say, here's how you please me. I just want to please you, Lord. The 30 pieces of silver, they don't matter to me, God. It's peanuts. It's worthless. But if I can please you, Lord, that's what matters most to me. Judas got away from that. His value system shifted. He said, if I can just please myself, I'll be happy. But if I can please the Lord, that's where true contentment is. Brother, know if you, at this moment, amen, get the, the bread and the wine. Hallelujah. We're going to go to this sacred part of the service this morning. This meal that we're about to partake of, the Passover meal is what it represents. It is filled with symbolism of the exodus from the Egyptian taskmasters under the leadership of Moses. The unleavened bread that we're going to partake of here in a moment, it symbolizes the haste of their departure. When God said, get out, you got to make haste and obey the Lord. There's no time to squabble. There's no time to work out the details. If God says, now is the day of salvation, live for me. God, I'll figure everything out later. I'm going to serve you. The unleavened bread also symbolizes a life free of sin. Another thing that was that took place on the Passover meal, it was there was bitter herbs that were uh, that were eaten, and they symbolized their four centuries of bondage, so that the people would never forget how horrible a life in Egypt was. But Jesus now provides new symbolism that the church celebrates with communion. The bread symbolizes his body, the beauty of brokenness, amen, in that we are blessed to be broken. And when we are broken, amen, there is others that has, amen, sustenance for their lives. But until you and I are broken in the hands of the Lord, and this is a part that many people and Christians neglect, is getting in God's presence and allowing God to break your spirit. Break your will in his presence so that God could put his spirit inside of you. We don't believe that the bread becomes the actual flesh of Christ once you eat it. But the idea is that the partaker becomes his body. 
The wine or the grape juice that is there symbolizes His blood that was shed for the redemption of our sins. The cup is not, we don't believe, the actual blood of Jesus, but it is representative of His blood. And the blood accomplished remission of sins or forgiveness of sins, which happens at baptism. If you want more, Acts 2 and 38 says, Repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But before we do this, we're going to take a moment. And the Bible says, now let a man examine himself. At this moment, I'd like to ask Brother Noah if he's, he's going to go to where you are. If you would like, amen, to partake with us, amen, we invite you to partake, amen, of the Lord's Supper and this communion meal this, this afternoon. Amen. The Bible says, now let a man examine himself. In other words, have some self-reflection. This is where we observe our own life. And we say, God, search me, wash me, cleanse me, purify me. Observing or partaking of the Lord's Supper frivolously or carelessly is a causing of oneself to become one in spirit with those that crucified the Lord. Sister Gina, if you have 1 Corinthians, I want to direct their attention to 1 Corinthians. We're going to read this and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. Before we read this verse of scripture, I want us to pray right now. I want the church to just take a few moments and just have some time of reflection, self-examination, asking the Lord to search your heart. Jesus, we come before you on this Sunday afternoon. Jesus, we're praying right now, Lord. That you would speak to our hearts. You would touch every single one of us today. Father in heaven, we're praying right now, Lord, for the Holy Ghost to fill this place. We're praying, Lord, that you would fill this place. Signify your approval, God, upon what we're fixing to do here in a moment, Lord. God, we're praying on this Sunday afternoon. God, if there's any sin in our hearts, I want you to reveal it to the individual today. God, if there's sin that's hiding God in the recesses of our heart, I want you to put light upon it right now, Lord. Not us looking at the person next to us and seeing the sin in their life, but us looking at ourselves. The individual, the man looking at himself, the woman looking at herself, the young person looking at themselves and saying, God, would you search my heart? Would you wash me? Would you cleanse me? Would you purify me today? Jesus, forgive me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to pray a little bit more right now. 
I want us to lift up our voices and talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to ask the Lord for forgiveness right now. I want you to take a few moments and search your heart and say, God, if there's anything that is in me that's not right, I want you to shine light upon it today. God, if there's anything that's in me, God, that you see that I'm harboring bitterness or haven't forgiven my neighbor or on the grudge or I have that animosity in my heart towards somebody, forgive me. If there's secret sin in my life, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Lord. Come on, church, lift up your voice and reach out to the Lord God. Touch us this morning. Touch us today. Touch us today. Touch us today, Lord. Lord, I pray, bind us together as one body like never before. Unite this church, God, as one body like never before. Let us be of one mind and one accord. Let us accomplish all you have for us to accomplish. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Jesus, have your way, Lord. Search my heart, God. Search my heart, Lord. Know my thoughts and my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me, Lord. Cleanse me. I forgive anyone and everyone that's wronged me, that's hurt me, that's talked about me, that's betrayed me, that's whatever, God, anything, God, I don't want to hold any grudges no more, Lord. I don't want to have anything, any sin in my life no more, God. God, I want the secret sins in my life to stop, God. Whatever it is, God, forgive me. Cleanse my mind, purify my motives, my heart, my soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. At this time, I'm going to ask you, amen, to, amen, if you're partaking with us, amen, to take out the, open up the cup that you have and take out the bread in one hand and the cup in the other as we read this scripture. Take off the purple first. Amen.
Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Amen. Let's take the bread. After the same manner, also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And now the cup. Lord, we love you. Let's take a few moments, church. Let's worship the Lord with me. Jesus. 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 We love you, Jesus.
name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me, for purchasing my salvation. If you like to find a place to pray, this altar's open this morning. I invite you to come pray if you like to get out from where you are. There's an altar here that's open for you to come and pray. I think it'd be fit if somebody makes some fresh consecrations to God. I think it would be fit if somebody makes some fresh commitments to the Lord. I'll serve you, God. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna be found at the foot of the cross. I'm going to be found at the foot of the cross with my eyes on the Lord. Come on, this altar's open. 